Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Breaching Extinction podcast. I hope you guys all had a wonderful week this week for our porpoises. We're here for our porpoises right now, which are our mini episodes um, where we just share some fun facts, keep it lighthearted, stop talking about shit dying. And I'm here with Madison Bashford. How are you doing today, Maddie? Hey, doing fine. Just laughing at you always about the funny things you do. <laughs> I'm happy to be here. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we were just like discussing. Maybe I should play the clip. <laughs> Honestly, I think it's golden. It's very lighthearted. <laughs> um, we were just discussing because um, aside from this podcast, I send Madison, we send each other a daily podcast about our life via voice memo <laughs> on iMessage. Um <laughs> And I like sent her like a voice memo in the middle that I'm just like having a conversation. <laughs> let's just see. Let's just see if it if it, if anyone can hear this. Let's see. All right, we're gonna play it here. Oh, whoops, that's volume down. Okay. <laughs> so Erica just ran off the road. She's hysterically laughing right now, currently. <laughs> Like just conversation. <laughs> Maybe we can include the actual audio clip so it's more clear. Like, I should ran off the road. Um, yeah, so potentially I can do that. Um, but I hope that made you guys all giggle and don't text and drive. Um, that's fine. It's already pretty shitty audio quality, to be fair. But anyways, yeah. this week we are here. Madison is one of our episode co-hosts, and we also have Liam, who is MIA this morning. Um, so it will just be me and Madison and Peaches. Um, so we're here and we got a request to talk about molas, ocean sunfish. So that is what we're here to talk about today. So the ocean sunfish is the largest bony fish on the planet that we know of because the ocean's always surprising us. Maybe there's another bony fish that no one's ever seen. Um, that's bigger but these guys can be up to 13 feet in length Um, there are a couple different sources that have like slightly very variable data Um, like the Monterey Bay Aquarium says that um, they can be up to 10 feet in length 5,000 pounds Um, these guys like to hang out in open waters temperate water sometimes um, but sometimes they're thought to travel up to cooler waters to go where they can find zooplankton and other things that they feed on. Uh, once they get big, they love to feed on the jellyfish. Um, our molas don't have many natural predators. Uh, their meat is pretty gross. Um, a lot of mariners actually believe it's bad luck to pull a mola onto a boat so they don't fish for them here. Um, we do sometimes see them being fed on by our sea lions when they're young. So when they're about the size of a dinner plate, our sea lions will be fairly malicious. (laughs) Malicious. Oh, I get it. And they'll take them and they'll fling them around like a Frisbee. Um, and they'll eat the little fins off them. I've definitely seen them take bites out of the bodies, but, um, primarily they're just eating those ventral, um, and dorsal fins. Um, my naturalist Judy was telling me yesterday that she doesn't like molas because they're basically like half a fish and they look stupid. Um, I feel like a lot of people have very strong opinions on molas. Like, I don't think I've met or anyone that had stronger opinions about any other type of fish. Like people just really have a lot of feelings of being like pro or anti-mola. 
So I'm just curious maybe where you guys stand on the pro anti-MOLA stance. But anyways, these guys um, are really good at reproducing. We like to call them um, useless but unstoppable because they really don't serve a ton of ecological function, um, but they're really good at reproducing. Um, and they actually have little parasites that live on their body. Then the seagulls will eat off of their body. Um, it's one of the few foods that seagulls will eat them. They'll go for themselves versus trying to steal someone else's food. So go seagulls for not being um, needy, codependent. I mean, I feel like this is low-key still codependent for the seagulls. But anyways, um, our mullahs can breach out of the water. Um, when they do that, sometimes they'll dislodge those barnacles and then the seagulls can eat the parasites off their body that way. Um, but yeah, they mostly eat jellies, um, uh, gelatinous zooplankton, like salps, squid, fish, crustaceans, and algae. Um, and they're found in all the world's oceans. Um, and there are, well, Maddie says there's three species, but there's other places that say there's five species. So I'll let her dive into that here. Yeah, thanks. Um, yeah, so, okay, in the genus Mola, there's three species. So there's Mola Mola, which is the common ocean sunfish we see typically like in Monterey Bay and stuff. Um, there's Mola Tecta and Mola Alexandrini. Um, and then there are two others, which is the five. So there's five, maybe one or two more, um, like, how do I, I guess they are species. They're called all, um, generally called ocean sunfishes, but they have different genuses. So if we're just talking about molas, there's three of them. Um, I did want to add on to what you said about the size, because I found a paper I couldn't get access to it, but I read the abstract that came out in 2022. And it actually came out of a place um, called the Ocean Sunfishes Information Storage Museum in Nara, Japan. And I was like, the fact that that even exists sounds very interesting. There's a storage museum of information on ocean sunfishes. But basically these scientists analyze like all the known records, any, any things, any specimens, data, everything that we know about sunfish and they found that the largest one the heaviest bony fish specimen was a mola alexandrini it weighed 2300 kilograms and was caught off the coast of japan in 1996 it was a female um so if we're talking like what is the largest that's the largest like known one um because i did see different like size and i'm i'm sure like there's different like thresholds for mola mola and the um the other species and stuff. So let me see what else I had here to talk about. So yeah, obviously they're huge. Um, they're not the largest fish though, because of course whale sharks, uh, I think, right? Whale sharks are the largest like true cartilaginous fish. They're a shark. Um, I thought it was interesting. So if we're talking about mola molas or ocean sunfish, they have some different names like in Dutch, Portuguese and French, their name translates to moonfish. Um, in German, their name translates to swimming head. I'm going to uh, botch this pronouncing it, but Schwimmender Kopf means swimming head. Um, in Polish, they're known as head alone or only head. And in Finnish, Danish, and <laughs> Norwegian, they're known as the lump fish. Um, they're given this name because of their circular shape and they don't have a true tail. 
Um, and then of course we call them sunfish because of their common um, behavior of sunbathing at the surface, like Erica talked about. Mola is Latin for millstone, which I thought was interesting because if you look at a mola, it's kind of got this gray brown mottled pattern um, and they're circular. So they look like a millstone and they have kind of a rough appearance. Um, so yeah, there's three species of mola. Oh, they're in the same order as puffer fish. So when you look at like a mola fish fry, they actually have spines like a puffer fish. Um, but also other common features between the molas and puffer fish as well as porcupine fish are that they have the, um, they have fused teeth like a beak. So they're in the order tetraodontiformis, which means four fused teeth. Yeah. And they have like a beak. And that's why another reason why molas look like super silly is because they can't like close their mouths all the way. Yeah. <laughs> um, so they just have this kind of like derpy appearance. Um, I like how you referenced the like useless but unstoppable because I was just thinking too that I'm romantically linked to someone who's like very interested in molas and has like lots of mola um, tattoos. And that's all I'm going to say. <laughs> so um, continuing on with Continuing on with their um, some more general information, Eric said they're native in all the oceans of the world. Um, they can swim pretty fast. I don't have the um, actual like speed right here written down, but I will will include some sources and links you can check out. Mm -hmm. um, but if they're like evading predators or feeding, they can like flap flap their little yeah. wing fins to um, move quickly, and then. They're usually seen alone or in pairs, but when they're young, they school together for protection. Erica, do you wanna say real quick how you've seen that? Oh, yes. So um, there was one day when Maddie and I were both working at Adventures by the Sea um, and I was running the breakwater shop and there were um, like, I, the, for a couple of days I had seen like a couple dinner plate size like baby molas just like swimming around the harbor. And I told my roommate at the time, like, girl, you got to come see these molas because she was, like, obsessed with molas. I like, you got to come see it. And, like, when she showed up, all of a sudden, like, a fucking hundred molas, baby molas showed up. So I'll see if I can find the video and we'll share it on um, the Instagram page. But it was crazy. Um, but, yeah, so there were just, like, hundreds of little molas just swimming around, just, like, tiny little dinner plates, just being ridiculous. Um, it's the only time I've ever been quoted on the news because I literally yelled, holy guacamole. Um, and yeah, it was, it was fantastic. It was amazing. So. Yeah. And lucky for me, I was at a nearby shop and Erica was able to hit me up and be like, yo, come see these molas. Um, it was, it was crazy. It was crazy to see that many in a school. And so I guess it's, it's known that they do as, um, juveniles, they school like that for protection. Hmm. Um, okay, so Erica talked about how they're like the um, one of the most fecund fish. I saw a statistic somewhere where they do produce like uh, one female can produce like 300 million eggs at a time, which is kind of yeah. crazy. Um, there's still a lot we don't know about molas, like we don't really understand or know much about their mating practices. In captivity, they've been documented living up to 10 years, but in the wild, their lifespan is still unknown. We don't really know much about their rate of growth, um, but they do have documents of specimens at Monterey Bay Aquarium because Monterey Bay Aquarium does keep them on exhibit um, from time to time. Uh, let's see. In 2016, their genome was sequenced. 
so that was pretty cool. Um, so that's where a lot of like research is focused right now is on the um, genetic information of different sunfish. And that's how we've come to find the different species. Um, despite their size, they pose no threat to humans, really. They're pretty docile. They are commonly caught as bycatch in drift gillnet fisheries. And I found a statistic, I think on Monterey Bay Aquarium's website, 30% of the total catch of California's swordfish fishery that employs gillnets, that's, they make up 30% of the total catch. So that's um, bycatch and that's not good. Um, they also are threatened by plastic pollution because like Erica said, they eat sea jellies and sea jellies resemble plastic bags that float in the ocean. Um, and then their biology, yeah, like I said, still remains poorly understood. So current research areas that researchers are studying on molas are aerial surveys of populations. There is, are some pop-off satellite tagging studies and, uh, like I said, genetic analysis of tissue samples. There's also, um, well, I was going to talk about, there's this um, site called oceansunfish.org, which has kind of consolidated all of what we know about sunfishes and they have a survey on there that if you've seen like a mola in the Galapagos, they're trying to collect data from that area. And so there's also, um, we collect amateur sighting data. And by we, I mean the ocean sunfish.org people, not me uh, yeah, personally. <laughs> um, so yeah, they're rarely found in captivity. They are a permanent feature of Monterey Bay Aquarium's open sea exhibit. I looked and I don't think there's one on exhibit at this time. Um, but typically Monterey Bay Aquarium has figured out how to care for them, um, but they do have a very, they have very unique and demanding care requirements. So they're not usually on exhibit. It's kind of tricky. Um, for example, they are like slower moving. Um, so Monterey Bay Aquarium has figured out how to train them to take food from a target, like from the end of a pole or human hand, because when you have them in a tank with other fast moving and more aggressive fish, they struggle to, to get their food. So they can be target trained, which is interesting. And then, um, so what we know of sunfish is that they're commonly, like we see them typically sunbathing at the surface, um, but there are some tagging studies that show that they are prolific divers and they actually migrate long distances at depth. Yeah. Um, oh, here's the statistic about how fast they swim, two miles per hour, a whopping two miles per hour. That's fast for a mola. <laughs> fast. For sure. So Erica's pretty much covered all the other um, fun facts that I had here. I saw one site describe mola fry. Like I said, they have those spines described as look looking like someone put an alien head inside of a Christmas ornament. Um, so yeah. <laughs> and if you look at pictures of them, it's true. They have a they're they have like a star shaped transparent covering. Um, but I did want to touch on the story of the hoodwinker yes. sunfish, if I could go there. Yes, go there, girl. <laughs> this was really interesting. So as I was preparing for this episode, like, I know Erica just has all this, like, knowledge at the top of her head because she is a naturalist. I'm, like, teaching high school biology and algebra. So I was like, I got to prepare some facts. So I went down so many rabbit holes about mola molas, and I had so much fun preparing for this episode. Um, I found out that there is a sunfish called the hoodwinker sunfish that was discovered only in 2017. That was just like about five years ago. 
And it's called the hoodwinker sunfish because it hoodwinked scientists for decades hiding in plain sight. So no one knew it was a different species because it looked very similar to all other sunfishes. Mm -hmm. Um, But when this scientist, Marianne Nygaard, and we'll um, include her, the citation for her paper, she was doing her PhD, I don't know the school, but she was in New Zealand, and she was sequencing the DNA of all these sunfishes, and she found three species. So she found the Mola Mola, the Mola Alexandrini, and one from a different genus, Masteris lancelotus. And then there was a fourth mystery species. And she was like, I don't know. We don't know what this one is. The genetic sequence is different, um, which was very surprising. And it took her about four years on this, uh, I guess, so-called like treasure hunt um, to try and figure out what this fourth mystery species was. Turned out she called her species the Molatecta or the Hoodwinker sunfish. And it was genetically and physically distinct. So Molotecta is smaller than all other sunfish. Its mouth doesn't stick out as much. And its pseudo tail is mostly smooth. Its range is still a mystery. So any people interested in molas out there, there's a good research opportunity to study the hoodwinker sunfish. Um, I did want to touch on their pseudo tail. Their pseudo tail is called a clavis. Mm. And clavis is Latin for rudder. So as... As they evolved, I know, I lo- I'm sure you love that I know all this random, like, yeah. nerdy facts right now. Clavis is, like, their their tail, so their caudal fin evolved into, and that's why molas, again, they have this, like, very strange, derpy uh, appearance, and um, they're circular, so they don't have a true caudal fin, they have a clavis or a pseudo tail, um, and it's circular. Um, okay, the last thing I wanted to touch on here was, oh, well, we know they sunbathe also to regulate their temperature. So in addition to getting their parasites picked off by gulls, they um, warm up after long dives. And things that threaten them, like I said, are um, fisheries that use gill nets, long lines, and midwater trawls. They're so, like, derpy that they're just like an easy target for these fisheries and like they're not being targeted but because they just float around at the surface they get caught in these nets and then of course plastic pollution is a threat as well they are estimated um their populations are estimated to have declined by at least 30 percent over the last 24 to 30 years which is a couple generations um that comes from the international union for conservation of nature the iucn Um, But we still don't know uh, much about them, especially the species other than Mola Mola, because we see Mola Mola quite frequently. Um, So I have some links to some articles. And then I did just want to talk about, lastly, the oceansunfish.org. So this is a really cool site I came across. It consolidates all the knowledge and current research we have about ocean sunfish. So it includes all the species, like even the ones not in the genus Mola. They have a sightings database, so it kind of reminded me of happy whale. It's like if you see a sunfish, they're typically looking for others, like species other than Mola Mola, um, because that one's very common. But um, if you see a Mola, you can go to oceansunfish.org and put in your sightings data, and it's sort of like a community science effort, which is cool. Um, They have the Adopt a Sunfish project. I looked a mola plush it's like a thousand dollars so it's like it's like for dollars 
Yeah, it's like for so if you're like an if you have an established income and you want to donate to an organization that is supporting Mola Mola research or ocean sunfish research, like go there. But um, for someone like Erica and I, I don't think we're gonna be donating <laughs> um, that much money from this time. Time. But I I I did have a thousand dollars donated to the Center for Whale Research one time. Yeah, have you explained that story? Because that's a good story. <laughs> I feel like I'm sure that you need to give a couple more details about your MOLA. Oh, my romantic link. Um, romantic link. I'm not comfortable sharing that on a public platform. Yeah, I don't think I'm to someone who donated $1,000 to the Center for Whale Research in my name. So. I think we just keep them guessing and, and that's. Guessing we keep the mystery alive. Uh, mysterious like the MOLA. <laughs> yeah. I think that's like also now the standard of like, well, I feel like that should have been the standard this whole time of like, if we're going to date, you got to donate a thousand dollars to the center of what at whale research or MOLA's of my choice, Charity of my choice. And have um, multiple MOLA tattoos. And, ha and or have multiple MOLA tattoos, one that says useless, but unstoppable. Okay. And that's enough right there. And that's enough. And thank you for joining <laughs> us, everyone. Um, and join us more again. Thank you. Are we ending it right there? I don't know. Do you have more to say? Because just just a little bit. A little bit. Okay. <laughs> All right. I told you I went down the mobile rabbit hole. You're like over yeah, it. You just have been going off and like it's awesome, but I'm just like wow. <laughs> like... All right. Let me wrap it up. I have one more cool fact. All right. Give us your cool fact. I have like a lot more cool things, but we'll just move forward. Just if you want to give us two more. Okay. Now I got to choose. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <clears throat> okay. This is the one cool thing. Cause I experienced this um, when like molas can often get confused for sharks because of their like super weird fins sticking out the water. And one time when I was squid fishing, I was like certain I was coming across a great white shark. I was in a very small boat. With a colleague and we were like oh my gosh yeah. turned out just to be mola flapping at the surface and then the last thing because i was on this rabbit hole like super late last night i was like looking up like when um like first documentations of molas came around i was looking up their evolutionary history again we'll link the articles i won't go into it because we're keeping it light here but um you know erica didn't you see like cuvier's beaked whales was that or no i saw the bairds oh bairds okay but cuvier's is a beaked whale Cuvier is a beaked whale. Okay, so Cuvier is a French naturalist and zoologist from like the 18, uh, 1700s? Mm -hmm. No, 1800s. Um, but molas are first like formally described in this, um, his documentation called Le Regne Animal, which is the animal kingdom, uh, which came out in 1817. And I was just like fascinated going down another rabbit hole which i've been falling down frequently um but i just wanted to like end it there because th it was really cool like um he published this thing he was trying to basically um describe every animal ever in the animal kingdom in the 1800s that were known of and he is um he has a lot of things named after him so i found out that that was his like very famous book was called the animal kingdom or le regne animal um, and molas are described there. And he called them the tetraodontiformis, which is that um, Latin word for having four fused teeth. Mm -hmm. 
And yeah, there's just so much information out there. So I'll give Erica the links to, uh, I um, yes. had a bunch of stuff I cited on the trend of us um, sharing with you credible science. I thought it was important to kind of like cite my sources and um, yeah, very, very interesting stuff. The molas are super cool. The molas are super cool. Um, and one more thing that we were going to talk about that we, I think, forgot until right now is that we, um, there, there was recently an encounter documented by the California Killer Whale Project of orcas balancing mullahs on their head, being so silly. Um, and the Southern residents have been seen balancing salmon on their heads. So orcas are silly and they like to bounce fish on their head sometimes so yeah and I think I think we could cover that's it's very interesting you brought that up I've never seen that but I did see the photograph it was very cool um to talk about like because uh to bring it back to killer whales like killer whales are so like uh what's the word like intellectual that they like have trends have been documented in their populations right like they like go through like fads or trends or stuff like I feel like I don't I don't know about that. Um, I don't have a source for that either. So I'm just saying. I just feel, I feel like the trends, like, I feel like it's hard to like scientifically, I don't like, I don't know. That's a, that's a thing that people have said. And I don't know how like. Okay. True that is. Cause I feel like, how can you be like, oh, it's trendy. Like maybe <laughs> like that was like their hunting technique. Like how can, like, how can we know if an orca is like, ooh, this is trendy to have a salmon hat. Like what? I just feel like it's weird. I feel like it's weird when people say that there are trends, but I also like, I don't know enough about air quotes, orca trends um, to say more on that. Same. Well, I, yeah, maybe we can cover that in a future episode. Alrighty guys. Well, thank you for joining us and enjoy the rest of your week. Join us next week or, or later this week for a full episode. And if you guys want to be featured on the podcast, if there are topics you would like us to cover, shoot us a message on Instagram, email me at Erica at breachingdistinction.com. Erica with a C. Um, okay. Goodbye. Bye.